Welcome to This Week Health Community. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Today, we have an interview in action from the 2023 fall conferences of Chime in San Antonio and Health in Las Vegas. And we wanna thank our show sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. And they are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com. And here we go. All right, here we are from the Health Conference, Health 2022 from Las Vegas. And we're joined. Why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your company? Absolutely. So my name is Suraj Kappa. I'm the Chief Medical Officer and SVP of Healthcare for Triple Blind. Effectively, what Triple Blind is, is a way to allow for data to be collaborated on in a way that's fully privacy preserving, that allows for the data to be automatically de-identified, anonymized across global jurisdictions, and allow for governance controls by the data owner to allow for data collaborators to use that data in a way that is approved by those data owners. So you can think of it kind of like a zero trust, privacy preserving data collaboration tool. So the problem that you're solving is for research or are there other applications as well? So it's actually for a broad array of applications and principles. So I mean, I'm a physician by background and I've done a lot of research in my life. And one of the biggest problems we always get into is the fact that the more data we have access to from the more diverse groups, the better our algorithms, the better our statistical understanding of how a population is doing, the better even the future digital tools that are going to be created or will be. The problem is health data is very sensitive. You have all of the information about individuals that you need to strip out of that data, but even if you do that, when you think about bringing all this data together, you can still potentially identify individuals through their attributes or features, and how do you ultimately prevent those risks through technology? And that's what we're trying to solve. So this, uh, it doesn't happen often, but they talk about re-identifying from de-identified data. How much of a risk is that? It's actually a bigger and bigger risk as tools are evolving more and more on the attacker side, so to speak. So let's think of a couple of examples. So an individual wants to train a new technology or new tool to predict outcome of head and neck cancer. So you're doing it off of image data from DICOM CT data. The problem is you send these CTs, even without name, date of birth, or anything else, to a data user. But you know what? Modern tools can reconstruct the face from the CT scan. It's pretty easy to do a reverse image search on Google and figure out how that person is. Second example, social determinants of health are huge. The fact of understanding how income level, society, environment impact health outcomes is becoming more and more obvious in terms of getting to better health outcomes. So how, for, you want to say, well, how do chemotherapy outcomes correlate pancreatic cancer with income level? So now you take some income level information, take some health information, and you find the billionaire who was treated for pancreatic cancer a few years ago. And we all can kind of know who that is. Right. It's interesting. So as I'm looking at more and more of these platforms, these health systems are coming together, they're forming, I don't know, consortiums, if you will, and they're bringing this data together. 
that's where you guys come into play, isn't it? So I'm a CIO and, I'm, and they're saying, hey, share your data, move it over here. But I have to, anytime I'm moving it outside of the four walls, I have to, I have to be very concerned. Is that pretty much where you, you guys sit? Exactly, because we have to remember, if we think about all, for example, of data breaches and other issues of data that have occurred over the last decade, really, especially as this digital enablement has become more and more of a focus in healthcare, every single time you send some of your data, even say you strip the name and date of birth and all that stuff, there's a risk of that data being breached. You're dependent on that other company's IT structures. Number two, you lose control over how that data is used. You as a data owner might have an interest in doing your own research with that data, developing your own algorithms, partnering with more than one organization in order to scalably offer benefit in digital health. But as soon as you move that data out of your four walls, you lose that kind of governance over how, when, why, and for what purpose that data is being used. I mean, why, why is your solution better than, because I hear everybody say, hey, we're de-identifying de the data, we're good to go. And I mean, what's your, I don't want to, what's your secret sauce is essentially what I'm asking. <laughs> okay, so the way we do it is this. We are a pure software approach that sits behind the firewall of the organizations that are collaborating. We have a patented one-way encryption that basically transforms the data into what we call computational material that can never be reconstructed. All of the analytic operations are happening on that computational material. So what happens is, the only identifiable data always sits behind the firewall. The computations are happening on this encrypted computational material that we have mathematical proofs of quantum safe can never be reconstructed. So we're not just de-identifying, which unfortunately is also an arduous process through traditional means, but we're actually anonymizing. Because the data cannot be reconstructed, not just in terms of name, date of birth, et cetera, but any other piece of information, such as that face image example that I explained earlier. So as a researcher, I never really get next to the data. I mean, I get next to it, but it, so I, I put my algorithm in, I do the computational, aspect of it, and then I get a result back. I can't really look at the raw data itself. Exactly, we do have ways that a researcher can semantically understand what is represented in the data. So we call it mock data, that allows a user to say, oh, there's information about gender, this is how they represent it. There's information about what the cancer type they have is. However, the thing is, so I've done a lot of research in my career. I've published probably 200, 250 papers. The thing is, once I've actually abstracted the data into spreadsheets, etc., I never want to look at a cell again. I just want to know what the average age is across this column. I want the output once I have the data represented into my spreadsheet. So that's what we facilitate the analyzer to do, the data user to do. We allow them to gain that insight, but not without having to actually touch the real data. So is the, is the person you're talking to at the health system the privacy officer, or is it legal and compliance, or is it a data officer, CIO? I mean, who are you talking to? It sounds like all of them. So in fact, we touch the needs of all, four, of, all of those groups. So in fact, in the end, even though we might come in through one specific vertical, we actually address the needs of all of them. We address the needs of 
the chief da digital officer, chief data officer, CIO, who has an interest in how do I create opportunities to allow for more seamless collaboration with actual entities, other hospitals, research orgs, pharma, et cetera, in order to enable this broad access to my data. The chief privacy officer who's arguing, wait a second, how do I ensure that I'm not violating the privacy of our patients? And the legal and legal counsel folks, because they're saying, well, we have all these policies for compliance, how the data is de-identified. But when you have a broad automated solution to solve that issue, it solves the logistical legal hurdles, the compliance hurdles here in more seamless fashion. It solves the privacy concerns here while enabling the core processes that the CDO, CIO are expected to allow for their institution to be involved in. All right, we'll get back to our show in just a minute. We have a webinar coming up on December 7th, and I'm looking forward to that webinar. It is on how to modernize the data platform within healthcare, the modern data platform within healthcare. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation. We just recorded five pre-episodes for that, and so they're going to air on Tuesday and Thursdays leading up to the episode. And we have a great conversation about the different aspects, different use cases around the modern data platform and how agility becomes so key and data quality and all those things. So great conversation, looking forward to that. Wednesday, December 7th at one o'clock. Love to have you join us. We're going to have health system leaders from Memorial Care and others. The CDW is going to have some of their experts on the show as well. So check that out. You can go to our website, thisweekhealth.com. Top right hand corner, you'll see the upcoming webinars. Love to have you be a part of it. If you have a question coming into it, one of the things we do is we collect the questions in the sign up form because we want to make sure that we incorporate that into the discussion. So hope to see you there. Now back to the show. Are you able to talk about use cases and wins at this point? Absolutely. So where we find the key use cases are, and I'll give kind of examples and show how they might correlate. So one of our main investors is Mayo Clinic. And why would they invest in us? The reason is Mayo Clinic actually made a huge pivot towards this idea of a Mayo platform, externally facing opportunity to enable data to grow and scale digital health. So we're exploring how systems like this can enable not just this automatic de-identification, but actually the ability to enable data in a federated approach to allow consumers, digital health companies like we see all around us at HLTH, to validate their assets, to validate their algorithms against the data. So if we think about it, the clear-cut use case is everything from knowing what everybody's saying works, actually works, in a faster fashion, allowing broader access to more diverse data loads to develop algorithms that actually are representative of populations, and ultimately doing it in a way that creates assurances over everything we talk about, privacy, security, etc. That's really interesting. So digital health startup comes to Mayo and says, we've got a new algorithm that does fill in the blank. It, it, and essentially you, get, you give them a platform where they can validate that without ever exposing the Mayo data, without ever. Yeah, and that's like a Mayo example, like which we're exploring, however, it's actually much more broad-based, because if you think about it, there's no great. Now, Mayo, because they want to bring in this new cool tool, and they know it's going to work on their population, but say, 
I live in Philadelphia. Now, Temple University, a very different population, wants to validate the same tool. The tool is never trained on their population. They don't want to just deploy it and run into errors right. in inaccuracy that can actually negatively impact the population. So when you think about this idea of being able to more rapidly validate and more and directly validate on your population so you know it's going to work the way they say it's going to work, yeah. we avoid all the problems people worry about in AI, bias, inappropriate training populations, etc. So it's interesting, we had a conversation earlier this year with Michael Pfeffer, Dr. Pfeffer from Stanford. And one of the things he was saying is, he said, these national models for data, he said, I think we're going to have to throw them all out. He goes, my data set from 8 o'clock at night to 7 o'clock in the morning, same population, is completely different than my data set from you know, 8 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock at night at the same hospital. He goes, so the data has to be local. It has to be validated on local models, local data, local populations, and even then, you have to understand the nuances of the data that you're looking at. Exactly. Really fascinating. I, I, I love this, especially with, we've had a couple conversations at the health conference about the foundation of trust. And we've had some breaches, we've had a fair number of breaches and whatnot. It's so important to establish that foundation of trust. And I also worry about these large amalgamations of healthcare data, and are we going to be able to protect them? Because my data's in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, hey, I want, I want to thank you for your time. Absolutely. Fantastic conversation. It was wonderful meeting you. Another great interview. I want to thank everybody who spent time with us at the conferences. I love hearing from people on the front lines, and it is phenomenal that they have taken the time to share their wisdom and experience with the community, which is greatly appreciated. We also want to thank our channel sponsors one more time who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate and F5. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.